welcome to The Motivated Mind, where I challenge you to expand your perspective on how to achieve a successful life through motivational lessons, reflections, and interviews with other motivated minds. What is up? Welcome to episode 232. Thanks so much for listening. It means so much to me. If I brought you any value, please be sure to leave a review and hit that subscribe button. Don't be a stranger. Shoot me a DM on Instagram or Facebook. Let me know what you want to hear more of and please be sure to share the podcast. I'm truly grateful for your support. Thank you. You can learn all the skills in the world, math, business, writing, but the right mindset will always trump them all. It's the great unlock to all other skills. Success and happiness come down to one single component, and that's mindset. In order to achieve our goals in life, our mindset needs to match those aspirations. And this is exactly what I pack into my free weekly newsletter. As a free subscriber, you receive the Mastering Your Mindset newsletter once per week, where I break down step-by-step processes to master your mindset and practical growth tips. If you haven't subscribed, but you enjoy the content I drop on this podcast, then you're missing out. Click the link in the show notes to subscribe for free to the Mastering Your Mindset newsletter. Today we have another special guest that joins the pod, Alan Stein Jr., former basketball performance coach in the NBA, motivational speaker, and best-selling author on his newest book, Sustain Your Game, High Performance Keys to Manage Stress, Avoid Stagnation, and Beat Burnout Release This Year. Alan Stein Jr. is an experienced keynote speaker and author at his core He's a performance coach with a passion for helping others change behaviors. He spent 15 plus years working with the highest performing basketball players on the planet, including NBA superstars Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Kobe Bryant. Through his customized programs, he transfers his unique expertise to maximize both individual and organizational performance. Alan is a dynamic storyteller who delivers practical, actionable lessons that can be implemented immediately. He teaches proven principles on how to utilize the same approaches in business that elite athletes use to perform at a world-class level. Alan and I dive into his journey into sports, why we need to focus on our strength zone, identifying why and when to pivot the zone, the traits and habits of NBA superstars, and how we can apply this to our lives, what Kobe Bryant told Alan that he's never forgotten, the balance between impossible perfection, complacency, and not putting limitations on ourselves, and lastly, we discuss our belief our ability to raise the ceiling on what we think we are capable of. I hope you all enjoy our conversation. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts 
are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like it's allowed me to be more creative because I've been able to simplify the admin aspect of my podcast and focus on developing more valuable and creative content. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. I'm really curious. You've worked with some incredible athletes over the years, but before we get into that chunk, because I'm, I'm sure everybody's knocking down your door asking questions around that, but I'd love to understand your journey into sports, how you opened up that door, that world, and then how this led where you are today, helping others you know, move towards becoming the best version of themselves. Well, the easy starting point for me was uh, I fell in love with the game of basketball at five years old. My parents signed me up for my first recreation basketball team in kindergarten. And uh, here, 40 plus years later, basketball is still a major passion and a major pillar of my life. And I'm beyond grateful um, to have built a life and had so many tremendous relationships and experiences that all came from the, the game that's been really, really good to me. And um, as a younger player, when I was in middle school, uh, I got a piece of advice that I, I still hold dear to my heart today and is the very first thing that I preach anytime I'm afforded an opportunity to speak to young people. Uh, I even spoke to my daughter's, uh, my, I have a, a daughter in fourth grade and I spoke at career day to her class uh, two days ago and I shared this exact same piece of advice. And that is find what it is that you're very passionate about. Find something that you're pretty good at. You've got some natural inclination and talent for, and then find where those two things intersect. And wherever those two things intersect, that's your strength zone. And the more time you can invest in your strength zone, not only will you perform at a higher level, but you'll have so much more joy and fulfillment in doing so. And, uh, you know, for the first third of my life, that direct intersection was as a basketball player. Um, I love the game of basketball. I mean, I, I did a bunch of different sports and activities, but basketball was always the clear favorite. And um, I was a fairly decent high school player here in the D.C. area, uh, at least good enough to earn a scholarship to play down. Uh, it was Elon College at the time. It's now Elon University down in North Carolina. Um, so fulfilled a dream of being able to play college basketball. Uh, and then when it was very clear to me uh, that I didn't have what it took to play professionally and have someone pay my bills to put a ball in a basket, um, I needed to change that point of intersection and became a basketball performance coach. You know, uh, towards the latter part of high school and throughout college, I started to develop an equal love for performance training and strength and conditioning and fitness and nutrition and mindset um, so when I graduated from college, I figured what could be better than combining my original love of basketball with my newfound love of performance training. And it, it still met the criteria of something I was passionate about. And very thankfully, uh, I've always had a knack uh, for communicating and motivating and teaching. Uh, both of my parents were elementary educators for 30 years. So I, I had, they'd always modeled for me the ability to teach and to share and to pour into others. So uh, that point of intersection just moved a little bit but moved to you know, being a basketball performance coach. And then uh, that afforded me opportunities to work with some really elite level players and coaches, which we can dive into in a little bit. But then five years ago, after doing that for 15 years, 
I chose to move that point of intersection again and pursue a career as a corporate keynote speaker and author. Um, I felt myself starting to get burnt out on being in the weight room and being on the court and focusing on proving players' athleticism. Uh, I enjoyed that for the 15 years I did it, but I, I no longer found it as meaningful or as fascinating to me as I once did. And because I have so much reverence for players and for coaches and for the game itself, I decided to leap into something that, again, combined passion with talent, which was being a keynote speaker and author. And, uh, you know, I'll follow that recipe for as long as I'm around on this earth. You know, I, I don't know what the future holds. If, if 10 years from now I find that this isn't as stimulating as it is at present, then I'll find something else that I'm passionate about and fairly decent at. And, and I'll, I'll use that as my North Star. So uh, I, I think regardless of one's age, I mean, this isn't something only to share with young people, but anytime you can combine something you really love and something you're pretty decent at, uh, I think you're in a good space. The thing that I think is so key that you hit on this talent and this passion piece, a lot of individuals I feel trip up on when to pivot. So what are some like identifiers for you? And you gave us, you know, uh, pieces of that. What are some identifiers of we're, as we're navigating life where we're like this just, I know that I'm not going to become a professional athlete, or I know that I'm not going to be a, a keynote speaker, whatever it might be. How do we navigate and identify those things so we can adjust our, our North star? Cause that's really important that you were able to find that, define that, and then pivot accordingly. I would say some of the reflective questions and introspective questions to ask yourself is whether it's an activity or it's a, a full-time vocation, does it give you energy? Uh, does it make you smile? You know, does it fill your bucket? Do you find it meaningful? You know, do you find it purposeful? Um, not all of the time, but most of the time, uh, ask yourself, is it in service of others? Like, is this, is this contributing to something bigger than myself? Um, is it fascinating? Like, are you, are you still curious by it? You know, uh, for me, when I was in the basketball performance training space, you know, I was always trying to figure out, you know, new exercises and sets and reps and different ways to periodize off-season and in-season training. Like, I mean, I was just enamored with that. But after 15 years, that I was no longer fascinated by that. I was much more fascinated um, by leadership and culture and, and communication and, and other areas, you know, more off the court skills, if you will. Um, so that's when I knew it was time to make that pivot. So I, I would say certainly, you know, in addition to meeting, but uh, meaning, but letting your curiosity and your fascination be a guide as well. And, and also want to make the point that your strength zone certainly combines what you love with what you're pretty good at. But this doesn't mean that you can't also pursue things that you love that maybe you're not so good at. I mean, those can be, those can be hobbies. Those can be things you do in your leisure. Um, I think I could argue it would, it would be hard to optimize performance and or be world-class at something that you're, you don't have a natural affinity for, you know, and, and, and the list of things that I'm not very good at is incredibly long. Like I, I can't sing. I can't draw. I'm not very good with directions. I'm not very good with tools. I mean, there's a long list of those things, which means the chance of me being a pro in any of those is probably pretty limited, but it doesn't mean that I still can't enjoy those activities or do those things and, and can certainly make improvement in them. So I don't want folks to think that I'm, I'm encouraging you to stay away from things you're not good at. I mean, I, I believe in, in improving weaknesses and looking for opportunities for growth and certainly following your heart and exploring things that, 
that you enjoy. That's that's ultimately most important. But I know when you find that intersection, you know that you you get rid of a lot of uh, friction, if you will, and things become a lot more fluid in your life. Yeah. And it's also amazing just human resilience and ability to refine the skills that we have today. You know, it's interesting. There's a huge difference between exerting energy into 20 different things and exerting energy into three different things. The delta between your ability to go from zero to 10 is substantially different in those two, those two buckets. And this is, you know, one of the fascinating things that I have found about just top performing athletes in general. So during high school, actually middle school, started football, played football in high school, and then picked up boxing too as well. But irrelevant of the sport, athletes have just always fascinated me because they are performing under this immense pressure. They're managing so many, I can imagine, emotions, you know, especially as hundreds of thousands of people are watching them, plus their teammates, plus coaches, their communication skills are such a big necessity. And the biggest piece, and certainly not taking away from any of the others, is this this discipline piece. But what was it like performing, you know, beside or working beside these huge athletes like Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Kobe Bryant, like what's your biggest takeaway from these guys that just separated them from the athletes? Because they're on a comp- they're like the 1% of the 1% or the 0.5% of the 1%. And I'd love to to get a, a an understanding of behind the scenes with these guys. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's so cool because as I look back, I mean, I learned every bit as much, if not more from them as I believe that I taught or shared to them, you know, so it was very much a reciprocal uh, relationship. And of course, when we're talking about sport, especially professional sports, the physicality component uh, is a piece of the puzzle. I mean, it, it would be hard to play in the NBA if you weren't of a certain height or didn't have a certain level of athleticism. Now there's been very few exceptions to that, but generally speaking, the physicality component does play a role in professional sports. But the part that I love the most is that aside, all of the other traits that these guys have uh, are widely available and open to any of us, us more, us mere mortals who don't play <laughs> a sport in front of millions of people. We can still adopt these exact same principles. And ultimately, these principles are what are the separator. Because when you get to the NBA, everybody's big, everybody's strong, everybody's athletic, everybody's fast. That no longer becomes your separator. Now, occasionally you'll have such a remarkable world-class athlete that that still gives them a little bit of an advantage. But generally speaking, that's just the ante to sit at the table and play a, play a hand. Uh, now it's everything else that will separate you. And you know the, the, the list of traits that I learned that I've applied to my own life and any of your listeners can apply to their life uh, the first, and this is really the foundation of my life's philosophy, uh, and it's what I learned directly from Kobe Bryant back in 2007 when he told me that the best never get bored with the basics, that the best constantly are looking to work towards mastery of the fundamentals, and a good portion of that work is done during the unseen hours when no one else is watching. So regardless of your craft or vocation or what it is that you're trying to improve performance in, you have to have a respect uh, an appreciation for the fundamentals, for the basics. Uh, clearly in the game of basketball, that's your footwork, that's your shooting mechanics, that's how well you handle the ball. 
so what I encourage anyone to do that's listening that's not an NBA player uh, is ask yourself, in the area that I'm trying to excel, what are the fundamental building blocks? Like, what are the basics that I need to work on? You know, you're, you're an extraordinary podcast host. You need to continually ask yourself, what are the fundamentals to being a great podcast host and a great interviewer? And then you need to continue to work towards mastery of those and refinement of those every single day. You know, I know that's what I do as a keynote speaker and an author. So uh, working towards mastery of the fundamentals and never getting bored with the basics is one. Uh, another one that jumps out um, is these high performers do a masterful job of blending confidence with humility. Uh, they're some of the most confident people you'll ever meet, and they've earned the right to be confident because they've put in the repetitions during the unseen hours. Um, you know, but they blend that with a humility that reminds them that they're still open to coaching, that they're still open to receiving feedback, that no matter how good they are, they still believe they can continue to get better, that they don't get caught playing the comparison game, even saying, you know, hey, I'm the best guy on my team, so that's good enough. No, that's not good enough for those guys because all they worry about is being the best that they're capable of and, and, and toggling back and forth between confidence and humility and blending those things together uh, is, is another characteristic for sure. Uh, and then the last, and you, you've touched on this, uh, is their, their level of self-discipline, you know, is they, they're crystal clear on their core values and what they believe is the process required to get where they're trying to go. They're willing to make sacrifices to make that happen. And then they're incredibly disciplined, um, in executing these things on a daily basis. And, you know, many of them, almost skew towards being obsessive, uh, almost skew towards being and having an expectation of perfection. Uh, I know for myself, uh, I've tried to limit both of those. Like I, I don't consider myself obsessed about anything. Um, and, and I threw out any, you know, uh, consideration of perfection years ago, cause I don't think it's, it's attainable. Uh, so I give myself grace and permission to make mistakes and to occasionally use poor judgment or, or mess up. Um, but I'm still trying to do the best I can with what I have wherever I am. And, and I use that as one of my metrics. So there's a lot to unpack there, but I'd say those are three traits in particular that uh, I've personally observed from every high performer. I've personally integrated into my own life and it's helped me improve performance and are things that I know your, your listeners and your viewers can implement as well. Yeah. Those, those are, are at the tippy top of any sort of success or opening up happiness in your life or refining your craft. And one of the key pieces that you said at the end there was this ability to understand or striving for perfectionism. And I think we can, as we strive to become better versions of yesterday's self, you can trip on that line of trying to be perfect or judging yourself. And I think that grace piece that you talked about is super critical. Now, do you think a lot of these, these guys too are, do they have that balance of performance and improving where they were yesterday, but also being realistic about expectations they're setting with themselves just because of the, the tier that they're, they're playing at? I would say some do that well and some others not so well. And, and I don't say that with any ounce of judgment. This is purely from an observational standpoint. You know, some of this, and this is actually a compliment, so I'll say it with a huge smile. Some of them are almost delusional in what they're capable of. Like they, 
they don't believe in any constraints or any limits. You know, Kobe Bryant was, was one example of someone that, I mean, he, he made no bones about the fact that his goal was to be the best player to have ever played the game. And, and obviously that's a pretty tall measure when you can look at some of the other iconic figures that played. Um, but that was his driving force. That was his goal. That was his North star. Um, now I'm wired slightly differently. Um, for me, I, I don't really have any desire to be the best. Um, I have a strong desire to be my best and, and that's what I'm, I'm going for. And then, you know, if anyone else wants to make judgment on that or any of the talking heads want to say, you know, play the comparison game and, 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 you know, put my place or legacy and that's for them to do. But for me, I don't really worry about being the best, but I know that that's a major driver for some of these high performers. And, and I'm not critical of that and I'm not judging that that's, you know, each person needs to find what works best for them. Uh, same thing with this concept of perfection. You know, in the history of the game of basketball, there has never been a perfect game played. A game where no one missed a shot and no one turned the ball over and no one committed a foul. It has never happened and it's not going to happen. Um, I'm also of the belief there's no such thing as delivering a perfect keynote. I mean, I can even look at some of the best performances that I've given that I'm very, very proud of. And I can go back and watch the film and yeah, I can, I can nitpick that I, I could have said this slightly differently, or I, I could have made a slightly different hand gesture, or I could have paused just a little bit longer. Um, and I find that if I, I focus too much on where I, I came up short or was deficient or was less than perfect, it drags me down. And, you know, uh, but along those same lines, I'm not complacent and I do want to continue to strive for improvement. And I'm certainly open to being able to, to, to watch something I do and find areas where I can improve. Um, but I've learned to be much kinder to myself and not beat myself up over that. And, you know, uh, and going into it, knowing that there's no such thing as a perfect keynote. So I don't need to aspire to that. All I need to do is do everything in my power to be fully prepared, be fully present and be fully in service of the audience. And if I can do that to the best of my ability, that's all I can ask. And uh, that I use more as my, my metric. But to answer your original question, yeah, I do think some of them almost have delusional ideals of what they're capable of. But at the same time, you know, th that's the reason people like Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and, and the Kobe Bryants of the world, you know, what they're able to accomplish is because they've never put limits on what they're capable of. And I, I know that's something I've personally been working towards over the last few years that there have been plenty of times I've put self-imposed limits on myself that I've not aimed high enough from lack of confidence and insecurity. And, uh, you know, these, this is part of my journey now is trying to overcome that. Well, and I think this kind of breaks down into two pieces and, you know, just scrolling through your, all the way through your Twitter feed and just under trying to understand you from, from the outside and, and everything that you're out there doing is that there's, and you said this towards the beginning there's a huge difference when you define what can what do I want to be doing? What am I good at? Right. And then you get this, you get this North Star. And then within that, the the crosshairs, it's how can I not put limits and borders around that area that I'm aiming for? And I think there's a huge difference. And if if you're someone that's going out there and saying, I want to be the best author or keynote speaker, podcaster, that's that's great if that's what you're going for. But for, I think, most people, I don't want to use this word realistic because that in itself has a horribly, uh, just a bad connotation. But asking yourself, 
Is that really the end or the edge of the potential? I've heard, and I can't remember what CEO was, but uh, as we're in this this downturn of the market right now, he went back and he was asking his team about a project that they were working on. And you know, he defined, he said, listen, guys, this is a really important project. Would everybody agree with, with that? Yeah, absolutely. And there were key components and milestones in order for them to, to complete this project. When do you think we could, he asked, when do you think we could get this project done by? And everybody was like, well, it's pretty critical. It's pretty important. I think I can get it done by end of next week. He said, what would happen if you were able to get it done in the next two days? Where would that put us by the end of next week? And there's another example of, I think these guys were starting an Airbnb experience. And, or maybe it was even the guys at Airbnb. And they asked, what's a one-star experience? What's a two-star experience? And they worked their way up to five. And then everybody thought five-star experience, that's the best experience that you can get. And he asked, what about a six-star experience? And he kept on going. And you could see, metaphorically speaking, everybody's head start to expand and say, oh, wow, there's a whole land, a whole country outside of this territory that I'm sitting in right now that I wasn't even aware of. And I think that is very fascinating to me as a human when you can reach that aha moment to say, wow, the boundaries of or the borders that I've put around my life and my capabilities, my skills, all of these things, I think there's another 70 miles I can take this. And all around that epicenter of, of your, your purpose, your passion, your talent piece. And that is, that is just so mind-blowing to me that we can expand so far out from that place that we're sitting today. Oh man, I love that. So much golden insight in what you just shared. And and ultimately, I think what you're describing is is belief. You know, it's it's our ability to raise the ceiling on what we believe is possible, what we believe we're capable of, what we believe we can actually add to uh, you know, a, a certain experience and you know, that's that's something we should constantly be pushing up against, you know, I mean, when, when I think of, uh, you know, goals and we, we could have a whole discussion just on goals. And, and I think having a target or an in destination or a North star is valuable. And I think having clarity on that, uh, is valuable. Um, but then once you've decided that, then really putting your head down and focusing on the micro steps, the daily behaviors and the process to achieving that uh, is most important. Uh, but I know in my life, you know, there, there've been times where when I look back, you know, I, I was playing small and I was playing it safe, you know, and the reason I know that is I was hitting almost all of my goals, which means I wasn't stretching. I wasn't, I wasn't pushing or I wasn't reaching far enough. So now I kind of feel like, you know, the, the goals that I set, you know, maybe I hit them at a 40 or 50% rate, you know, I, I hit about half of them. Uh, but the key is learning how to detach from the ones that you don't hit and, and, and detach from letting that knock your self-confidence and self-belief or feeling like a failure and instead let that ramp up your excitement and curiosity and go, okay, I fell short on this one. Let me figure out why. Let me try to reverse engineer this and lift up the hood and tinker around and figure out why did I fall short? Um, did I fall short for something that was within my control? Uh, did I not give enough effort? Was I not consistent enough? 
Maybe I, I didn't execute well enough. Uh, did I follow the wrong strategy? Um, did I not contact the right people that could have helped or support me? You know, get, get almost get excited when you fall short because then you can still keep that as your goal and your North Star. Now you just get a second crack at it. So for me, trying to to aim higher and stretch and reach further, but then also find some comfort when I fall short and don't let that degradate my my feeling of self-worth. Um, I'm still a work in progress with that, but I'm, I'm moving in the right direction and I like the path that I'm on. See, the, the one issue that I have, or not issue that I have, that I, an issue that I see with a lot of high performers is they attach their self-worth to their achievement. You know, they attach their self-worth to whether or not they accomplish their goals. Well, if you're on a similar path to, to what I'm on and you're only hitting your goals at a 50% rate, then by definition, that means half of the time you feel good about yourself half of the time you feel pretty lousy. I mean, if you only feel good when you hit a goal or you achieve, you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like for me personally, that's, you know, that's too much of a roller coaster. I, I don't want my life to ebb and flow to that degree. I mean, just being a human being, we already are going to ebb and flow in our moods and our emotions and our feelings. You know, some experiences in life we enjoy, some are really, really challenging and tough. You know, it's already hard enough to navigate life. Uh, I don't want to tie my entire identity and self-worth into whether or not I achieve. And, 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 you know, I, I've started this process several years ago. And like I said, I like the progress I've made and the path that I'm on. Uh, I still struggle with it occasionally. I'll fall short of a goal and be disappointed, feel a little dejected, but now I have the awareness to quickly pick myself up and say, okay, so you didn't hit it. Let's figure out why. And let's give it another try. Those, those feedback loops are, I think, some of the most critical components to life, right? It's like, in order to get to the second floor of a building, you need to do it, you know, five inches at a time or whatever the height of a riser is on, on stairs. That, I think, is really important to understand in the context of, of life. And this is something that fascinates me about athletes, too, is because metaphorically and physically speaking, movement's so quick on the field or on the court, all these different places, you have the ability to make quick, thoughtful decisions. But what's really impressive about it is the amount of data that you get back from said deployment of decision. And to your point on playing it safe, the amount of data that we are missing out on by not deploying effort because we're afraid of failing or missing 50% of our goals. When you think about putting that on a whiteboard, what you get back from making these decisions, going out there, not playing it safe, leaning into risk, leaning into fear of failure, and then you compare what would I miss out on if I didn't do these things, that list is a hell of a lot longer in my opinion. And so I love this idea around perspective when it comes to executing off of your goals and saying, if I'm hitting all of my goals, are these really challenging me to become a better person than I was yesterday, right? Not all goals are intended for us to hit them, but I think that the the point that you're bringing up here is the ability to understand the perspective when climbing those st stairs to that next floor. 
Oh man, so much good stuff there. And I love that you went in the direction of perspective and um, this, this may feel like a slight tangent, but I do think it actually is, is all connected. You know, when I think of perspective, there's a, a few different things I think of. Uh, first of all, um, acknowledging the fact that in any given situation, we have a limited perspective. I mean, literally right now, from a visual standpoint, as I'm staring at this webcam, you know, I, I can see your incredibly handsome face and I can see a little bit in the peripheral of what's in my office. But outside of that, I can't see anything else. I can't see what's on the walls outside of my office. I can't see anything else going on in the world. All I can see is what's right in front of me right now, which means by definition, I have a somewhat limited perspective. Um, Even with what it is that I'm seeing and this wonderful conversation we're having and everything I'm processing, I also have to acknowledge that my perspective is biased, as is everyone's. My perspective is heavily tainted by my life experience, by how old I am, by where I grew up, by how I was raised, by who my friends are, by who I read, watch, and listen to, uh, to who I follow on social media. Like all of that is having a massive impact on how I see the world. I mean, you and I are sharing an experience right now, but we both have different perspectives of this experience. And uh, I think always remembering that, at least for me, um, has added a great deal of humility for sure, but has also allowed me to to connect with people in a deeper level. And, and especially at a time that I believe uh, in our country in particular, that has become increasingly divisive. And we could go down a long list of things that people are arguing over. I mean, obviously with recent stuff like abortion and gun control to still somewhat recent stuff like whether or not to be vaccinated or wear a mask. Like there's all of these different things that have have really divided people. And and this concept that everyone has a slightly different perspective is one that I choose to lean into and say, okay, let's just say any issue, let's let's hypothetically say you and I fundamentally disagree on, on any given issue. Um, in, instead of digging my heels in with this zero-sum mentality that I'm right and you're wrong, uh, that I'm good and you're bad, uh, that what I'm saying is positive, what you're saying is negative, and then trying to coerce you or beat you over the head to get you to believe what I believe uh, or make you feel awful for believing what you believe, none of which is effective and none of which really adds value to the world, I try to lean into the fact to say, okay, um, we view this differently. Um, I want I want to acknowledge that the reason I view it the way I do is based on the biases that I have, but I want to be very respectful that the same is true for you. And I want to get really curious and learn as much as I can about your perspective. I want to know why you believe what you believe. You know, if especially if we both, at least at face value, appear to be somewhat intelligent people. Um, you know, how could you and I possibly look at this exact same thing and have you know, polarizing perspectives on it, instead of digging my heels in on what I believe, I want to learn more about why you believe what you believe. And I want to try to listen with some empathy and compassion and an an open ear. Uh, And this doesn't mean that it will necessarily change my view, but I want to be open to hearing what what you have to say. And and part of that, um, from a perspective standpoint, and this has been a seismic change in my own life, is, and some people think this is naive. I, I choose to believe that it's not. I choose to believe that every person is doing the best they can with the tools they have in their current level of awareness. I do believe that, you know, that, that if you and I fundamentally disagree on something, it doesn't mean one of us is right and the other's wrong, or one of us is smart and the other one's stupid. It simply means we're both playing with slightly different cards 
and, and you're playing your cards to the best of your ability and I'm playing mine. And, and I want to lean in and learn more about why you believe what you believe, why you feel what you feel. But I also want to have the humility to acknowledge that if, if we switched places, that, that if I grew up where you grew up, if I was raised the way you were raised, if your friends were my friends, if everything you read, watch, and listen to was the same stuff that I was consuming, I want to acknowledge that I would probably feel the same way on this issue that you do. You know? and, and to me, when I can do those things, uh, it takes the, the self-righteousness and the tendency uh, you know, to, to, to be borderline narcissistic or arrogant, it lowers that tremendously. And it says, okay, we've got some common ground. You know, we may disagree on the best way to handle, you know, fill in the blank, but I want to learn more about it. And, and, and doing those things over these last few years has really helped my overall perspective. And it's allowed me to, to not only have more humility, but much more empathy and compassion and connect with people on a deeper level. So I know that kind of went off the rails of what we were talking about, but it's still under this umbrella of perspective. And in order for any of us to perform at a high level or to encourage, empower, and support others to perform at a high level, we have to have this perspective on perspective. Yeah, no, I'm I'm so glad you brought this up and you're, uh, I I could not agree more. I think this empathy, this compassion piece is is missing from a lot of our society today and it's it's probably why we do what we do because i i i do think there is so much to learn and understand and you said this at the beginning with some of these athletes right that focus on the core pieces and just getting better at those 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 basics and i think this is should be and this is kind of full circle here should be the basics of what we do as human beings and need to do as human beings. Widen our our perspective. You know, be empathetic, be compassionate. These things allow us to grow substantially faster than where we are today. If you could tap into the mind, the experience, the past, the struggles, the adversity that others have, and it's gotten them to where they are today, with the tools and the things that they have today. Imagine what that could do for each of us if we opened our minds up to sit beside them in the chair and actually keep an open mind. It's it's remarkable to me. And it's the same thing, you know, around engineers or developers. There's always bias in a system when you're building an algorithm that's supposed to do a certain thing. Subconsciously, our fingertips are typing based on our our experience, our perspective of the world. So if that's the case and we understand that we are in a limited lane, how can we widen our highway to seven lanes or 10 lanes? And then what does that do for our ability to see life in a completely different light or perspective? I think that starts to really open up. And again, this goes full circle back to the talent piece that we were talking about earlier and the things that we're passionate about. Wow. I didn't even think about it that way. You've got some valid points there. And if we just leaned into this a, a, a lot more as a society, we'd be in a much different place. And I do think it's happening for sure. Um, but I think it could be happening a lot more with people and it could take us a lot further as humans, as a species. Oh, most certainly. And it, it also connects what I was talking about when I said that I have a very limited literal view uh, of, you know, my perspective, combining those two things lets me know that, um, you know, if, if you share your position on any of these hot topics right now, 
that all I'm seeing at, at that moment is just a very, very limited snapshot that you believe, you know, A, or you believe B, you know, I don't understand how you came to that conclusion unless I'm willing to ask, to be curious, to be thoughtful, um, you know, and to have some empathy and compassion because, you know, the things you've experienced in your life are going to heavily sway why you feel this way about this. And, and that's where I think we can actually have, uh, you know, an increase in understanding. And, you know, for me, this whole construct of trying not to look at the world as right and wrong, good and bad, positive and negative, but looking at everything is, is, you know, is just whether or not it's the right fit. Now, yes, there, there are certainly some, some outliers. I mean, there, there have been some instances as of late of, of, you know, borderline evil. I don't even know any other way you could describe it. So I'm not talking about the outliers. I'm just talking about in general, if you share your position on something, I can't just take that little snapshot and then start to make other assumptions about what you believe and who you are and, you know, so forth. So, um, you know, and, and what really helped bring this to light um, was that documentary a couple of years ago, The Social Dilemma, which just reminded me of the fact that even you and I, if you and I were to both right now in our, on our respective laptops, type something into our respective Google search window, we would get different results. Those results will be different based on where we live geographically, based on our previous search histories, based on other algorithms, algorithms and so forth, which means you and I aren't even being given the same information. That's not even to that that doesn't even take into account that we may read, watch, and listen to different types of, of material, that your friends may have different beliefs than my friends. You know, literally we could type in the exact same phrase and get different results. So uh, of course, if you've been given different information, why would why would I be confused by the fact that we think differently on this topic? And, and I can say that with a smile because, again, it just goes back to, okay, I've been reading something different than you've been reading. So, of course, we're going to have some different thoughts on it. Let's compare and contrast those thoughts. Let's, let's get curious. Let me, I'll start by leaning in and asking you some questions and showing some empathy and compassion. And then hopefully you'll return in kind. And, uh, and if not, then we can simply agree that, to disagree and we can move on. But there's no need to, to argue, to fight, to belittle, to demean, to diminish, to to, to automatically assume that because you believe something you are, the, yeah. You know, when, when I started releasing and surrendering those types of ideals a couple of years ago, it's like this massive weight has been lifted off of my shoulders. Life has become so much more fulfilling and pleasant, um, with that kind of mindset. Mm. Our, our circle is so important, right? They say what you're the average of the five people you hang out with the most, and I find this fascinating that we conjugate with people that agree with us. And it's like, well, 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 wait a minute. If that's the group or the village that we're hanging around, how then do we make different decisions or look at the world in a different light? And this is this algorithm piece that you talked about on Google. It's the same thing with. And and this could be a whole tangent, you know, pushing people off out of certain areas. I really enjoy differing opinions because it does give me ability to say, well, it's not that 
I'm thinking or asking myself, am I right or wrong? It's not me asking the other person, are they right or wrong? It's just merely understanding what they have to say and understanding the components of what they're saying and why they're saying it. So I think this is so critical. And I try to do this in my group of friends to say, well, I don't want to hang out with people because they're exactly like me. I spend enough time with me every single day. Hell, I spend the, the, the most time with me. We each do ourselves. So why would I go and seek other individuals that are like me? I should, I should really look to hang out or be around people that have a differing opinion, perspective, life, trajectory, goals, all of these different things, because it will widen my capabilities and my understanding of life. And I think that's a much beautiful way to, to walk through life. And so I'm so glad that you actually brought up that, that piece. Well, no. And ultimately what we're talking about is diversity, yep. uh, diversity of thought, diversity of belief, diversity of background, diversity, and, and the list goes on. Um, but we can even take it further than not only for our, do I believe what you just said is so on point and so insightful for our own personal journey and self-actualization, but this is also the best way to run a business. Mm -hmm. Like if I was running a, a, a business, which I guess I am to a degree, you know, I want to uh, assemble a team that has a variety of different perspectives and vantage points and and diversity. I mean, if you know, if if I was looking to hire folks for my team, I would want a wide range of of ethnicities. I would want a wide range of of religious and political beliefs. I'd want a wide range of age. I'd want a wide range of of um, actual experience and background. I mean, uh, the more you can you know insulate your team with this variety, then then. Yeah, the more opportunity you have to figure out what's the best path to take. And, you know, it's kind of that that mindset. And I know I said I've gotten rid of the construct of right and wrong, but there was an old quote that says, you know, it's much more important to figure out what's right than who's right. Like it doesn't matter wh who, where the good idea comes from. As long as someone on your team has the good idea, let's use it for the benefit of all of us to make a maximum contribution. It doesn't matter who said it. You know, I, I learned that firsthand, you know, for some of the teams I've worked with in basketball. Uh, Mike Jones, who was the brilliant coach at DeMatha Catholic High School, would always say, it doesn't matter who scores. It just matters that we score. You know, the scoreboard doesn't care. We want two or three points put up on the board. It doesn't matter which one of us do it as long as it gets done. And if you stop focusing on who's doing it and just making sure that we're doing it, then we have a better chance of being successful. So, you know, this is this far exceeds the altruism of us just trying to be our best selves. If you want to run a profitable business, it's in your best interest to have as much diversity as you can. And, and I know, you know, I'm very similar to having most of my friends tend to see the world similarly to me. So I actually have to go out of my way to read, watch, and listen to stuff that's somewhat contrarian to what I believe. And I, I intentionally find stuff that challenges my viewpoints. And, and I find that when I do that and I can listen with an open mind and an open heart, um, either two things happen. One of two things happen. One, I actually strengthen my own convictions and beliefs by listening to what they're saying, or I actually can be swayed and start to change and look at something differently. And, uh, you know, I, I make no bones about the fact that, that if you can show me a better way to live my life or a better way to do something than I'm currently doing it, I'll absolutely adopt it. And that's not being hypocritical. Some people call that being a hypocrite or flip-flopping. No, that is being open to new information and finding a better way to do it. I can promise you my views on the world today are not the same. You know, I'm 46 years old. I do not see the world the same way as I did when I was 36, 
26 and definitely not the same as when I was 16. And I'm thankful for that. You know, that means I'm, I'm evolving, I'm growing, I'm progressing. And I can promise you that if I'm around when I'm 56, I won't see the world the exact same way I see it today. And I think that's a good thing. That is the mic drop right there. That is the key piece. Yeah, I, I, I could not, I could not agree more. Could not agree more. Um, I appreciate you sharing your your wisdom here. I know a, a ton of listeners are going to find value. You're right up the alley of of the audience of this podcast. And where can people find your book, sustain your game? And where can people follow you to understand where you're speaking, your website, the whole nine yards, which I'll, I'll link in the show notes. Yeah, I try to make things as easy as possible. Uh, you can go to allensteinjr.com. That is the main hub. I have a supplemental site, which is strongerteam.com that has info on the books, podcast, course, some one-on-one coaching, some peripheral stuff. And I'm very easily found on social media at Alan Stein Jr., uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Um, I love when folks reach out. So if, if anything we were discussing today, you know, struck a chord, uh, if you have something you want to ask, if you have something you want to share, even if you have something you want to challenge, you can just shoot me a DM on Instagram or LinkedIn. I'm very good about getting back to folks. Uh, and then whether it's raise your game or sustain your game, both are very easily found on Amazon or Audible or wherever you buy books or get audiobooks. Thanks for listening to The Motivated Mind with your host, Scott Lynch. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into how to perform at a world-class level like NBA superstars with Alan Stein Jr. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at the motivated underscore mind and on Facebook at the motivated mind podcast. Don't forget to join me every Monday and Thursday for new episodes. I love you all and thanks so much for listening. Motivated Mind is a legacy division.